Thank you, Lord. We look forward to what you want to do in our hearts this morning. Would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see? We want to know you. We want to come close to you. We want to experience your power and your presence, your mercy and forgiveness this morning. Even as we celebrate at the Lord's table today, God, may you just cleanse us from all the things that kind of get in the way of our relationship with you. Would you purify our hearts and draw us unto yourself. So come and be in our midst as we sing these songs. Would you inhabit our praises? We love you, Jesus. In your precious name.
Thank you that out of the grave there is victory in Jesus' name. Thank you for the victory, Lord. God, we just pray for continued communication to our hearts and souls and minds today, Lord God, that there is victory in Jesus. God, that we would hear it, that we would believe the gospel is for us, that we would internalize it, and that we'd live it, Lord, in Jesus' name. So God, where, where we're struggling to believe that the gospel is for us, I pray, God, that you would remind us and affirm to us and speak to us in, in your loving and gracious way. Lord, it's your kindness that calls people, causes people to repent, Lord God. And so speak to us, Lord, we pray. Minister to us, we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. How is everyone? You know, it's interesting. Uh, as we were singing this last song, I was, uh, I don't even know why I'm going to share this with you, but I'm going to. Um, but I had this dream last night and uh, I felt compelled to share it. I don't even know why, but um, maybe in the sharing, it'll kind of become clear. Um, I had this dream that I'm walking around without any pants on last night, <laughs> and uh, TMI. TMI, I know, I realize that, but um, um, I'm walking around, and uh, it's strange to me that I'm walking around this way, but it's not, it doesn't seem to be strange to anyone else, and uh, so I, at one point in the dream, I asked my son, I said, Curtis, can you get me a pair of shorts? And he, he said, Dad, you've already got shorts on. I looked down and I had shorts on. I thought, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what, what that was all about. And um, another part of the dream, I had been loading up my truck with some stuff. I'm just giving you bits and pieces of the dream. Um, bits and pieces of the dream. I, <clears throat> I see this truck begin to roll without anybody in the, in the driver's seat. And uh, I thought it was my truck, so I started running after the truck. And then I realized as I'm running after the truck, it's not my truck. It's another truck. It's... It's a different truck, it's a bigger truck, and it's running out of control, and it crashes into a, another truck. And I, I thought, well, that's weird. I thought that was my truck, but it, I, my truck was just fine, full of all the junk that I needed, needed to throw away, but there was all kind. Of, but the truck was fine. And, and um, so then I thought, well, what, what does this dream mean? What, what, does it mean anything? Did I just eat a bad burrito or something? What, we, we, did have, we did have some takeout last night, so maybe that was the deal. <laughs> it was the broccoli, there we go. And, um, but I was feeling heavy about the dream. And then uh, as we're singing this song, uh, like the burden just kind of lifted off of me. It was like, I, I realized that, um, the gospel sets us free and the, the world in all kinds of different ways, tries to weigh us down and wear us out. And so maybe through the dream, I was, you know, the enemy or whatever it was, was attempting to kind of wear, wear me down and wear me out. But the reality is, is that, that I had my shorts on, <laughs> and my truck was just fine. And um, I think that may be the truth that God wants to speak to us. We have this perception about ourselves or this um, idea that maybe somebody has put upon us to weigh us down and to wear us out. But as we look down, all is good. We've got our shorts on, our truck's fine, 
So maybe, maybe you've been wrestling with something that's wearing you out and wearing you down, and it's a lie from the enemy that God wants to lift off of you. And so I'm just going to pray for us that the Lord would lift that off of us. And uh, so, Lord, we, we do pray for that, Lord, all over the campus, whoever's listening, Lord, that you would lift the burdens in Jesus' name. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, so there's not meant to be any burden of heaviness. There's the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but we're, we, we understand the difference. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, if there's something that we need to confess and repent of, that we would do that. But then as we do that, as we sincerely confess and repent, Lord, that that burden would be lifted. And if there's something that's of the world, the flesh, or the devil, Lord, we pray that that would be lifted off of us as well, Lord. So um, we're going to be looking at some things today, God's promises to us through faith in Christ. And I pray that as we do... There would just be a revelation of joy, a revelation of peace, uh, that we would renew our experience in the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that if there are those here today who have never experienced the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, that that would be experienced and new life would be given and salvation would be added and adoption would take place, Lord, and that great things would what happened as that person moves forward. So Lord, I pray that you would eliminate anything of the world, the flesh, or the devil that might try to hinder what you want to speak to us today, um, whether it be through false accusations, the, the, the enemy is the accuser of the, of the flesh, of the, of the brethren. He's, a, he's constantly accusing, um, lying to us. His native tongue is that he, he just speaks lies constantly. So Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be believing lies and that we wouldn't be sucked into his accusations, Lord God, but that we would know that we have been adopted. If we are in Christ, we are in his family. Our sins are forgiven. His grace is sufficient. His mercy is plentiful. And our salvation is, is sure because Jesus is sure. So thank you, Lord. Do what you need to do in each of us, Lord, we pray. We just want to be available. <clears throat> Speak to us, we ask, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What do you call a man with no body and no nose? Nobody knows. Speaking of noses, you know you're getting old when the barber spends more time on your nose than on your head. <laughs> If you don't know what I'm talking about, then you will know eventually. You will know eventually. Hey, we're in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. And um, we're going to be uh, jumping into 2 Timothy and uh, answering the question, what has God promised through faith in Christ? What has God promised through faith in Christ? Do you believe that God has made some promises to us for those of us who are in Christ? He's made He's made promises to us, and we're going to unpack five of those promises today, and maybe it'll be a part two next week, but we're going to look at least five promises today as we just kind of look at Paul's greeting to his, his son in the faith, Timothy, who was a young pastor at the church of Ephesus. There's this greeting, and it's, it's filled with connection. It's not some, um, some just quick little greeting that's lacking connection and love and it's this greeting that's just filled with connection uh, it's, some greeting cards are 
general greeting cards, you know, the kind that you get for people who are distant from you, but you feel obligated to get a greeting card for. So you get them one that maybe uh, is just kind of general. But then there are those greeting cards that really speak to your heart. My wife got me a Father's Day card last week, and man, it was just rich with encouragement and and goodness. And um, so there's there's a difference in the type of greeting. Paul is rich with love for Timothy as he reaches out to him and writes this letter. What does God promise through faith in Christ? Let's find out. Verse 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 says, this letter is from Paul. Chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, I have been sent out to tell others about the life, here it is, the life he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. The life he has promised. So Paul's telling others about the life that he has promised, that God has promised through faith in Jesus Christ. He says, I'm writing to Timothy, my dear son. Number one in your notes, he's promised a new kind of spiritual family. Isn't that exciting? Some of us are, uh, come from broken families and uh, distant families, uh, hard families. Uh, the truth of the matter is, is that God has given us in Christ a new kind of spiritual family. Timothy is Paul's spiritual son. Paul is Timothy's spiritual father. So Paul uh, probably didn't lead Timothy to the Lord. We'll know that he probably got his faith from his mother and his grandmother. But there was a, there was a leadership that Paul had in Timothy's life where he probably discipled him, where he trained him to be a leader in the church and taught him how to, what it really meant to follow Jesus. So Timothy is Paul's spiritual son. Paul is Timothy's spiritual father. Each of us should have one of those, by the way. Or we should all have a spiritual mother or father. We should all have someone who's speaking into our lives, ministering to us, downloading truth to us. We all need someone like that in our lives. And then we all need someone that we're pouring into as well, someone that we're speaking into, um, communicating truth to life and, and uh, counsel to. And uh, so this is kind of what is modeled here in this new kind of spiritual family. We've got this responsibility and this honor to connect one another. I, I met my uh, a pastor in Colorado at my stepmother's memorial service, and immediately there was a kinship, right? Because immediately... We know that we're both followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So though we never met personally, we had talked on the phone a couple times leading up to the service. As soon as we see each other, and beyond that, as soon as we talked on the phone, there was just this kinship, this connection, because we're brothers in the Lord. Meaning we are believers, we believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we will spend eternity together with each other, with the Lord. There's just this connection uh, uh, that takes the relationship uh, deeper than if just meeting someone that you aren't connected to in any other way. It's, it takes your blood, rel blood relationships different and deeper as well. My natural daughters, uh, I've got two daughters who are also my sisters in the Lord. And so we can relate as father-daughter, but we can also relate as brothers and sisters in the Lord. There's this, there's the connection. 
A total stranger who believes in the Lord is my spiritual relative. It's your spiritual relative. And honestly, sometimes we feel closer to our spiritual family than we do to our natural family. We belong to each other. God has created something of uh, family connection uh, in the body of Christ. We belong to each other, a spiritual family, and we belong to God, who is our heavenly father. It's interesting, that dynamic, that relationship. Depending on your relationship with your earthly father, you connect to your spiritual father really well or not so well. It just depends on how you connected with your earthly father. Romans 8, 14 through 16 says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. So it's not a servant-master relationship, although we are bondservants of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are choosing to serve him and give our lives to him. But Jesus calls us friends. The Father calls us sons and daughters. You've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his, his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, which just means daddy. So there's this intimate connection that we can have that we're designed to have with God the Father. In this spiritual family that God has designed and has given to us, he is our Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. We need to kind of let that resonate with us a little bit, the, the reality that we are God's children. I was talking to a guy the, last week, and um, he was talking about uh, doing something that was questionable. And I said, well, I said, um, I, I would have a hard time doing that. He said, well, I'm not worried about it because when I get to heaven, God's got a lot. He's going to straighten me out on a lot of different things. <laughs> it's like that perspective that says, as soon as I see God, he's going to give me a little spanking, right? He's going to give me a timeout. He's going to discipline me for something because I know that I've messed up somewhere along the line. But I don't know about you, but when there's a healthy dynamic, a healthy relationship between kids and parents, kids, father and, and child, um, that's not, you know, I'm not waiting to come down on my kids, I'm waiting to give them a hug, right? I'm waiting to see them so I can, you know, get, they don't like a lot of kisses, but I, I'm, I like to kiss my kids, you know, and my grandkids. And they're kind of like, Grandpa, knock it off. But that's, I mean, the heart of a father is to, to love on his kids and grandkids. And so sometimes our perspective is that, boy, as soon as I get to heaven, uh, God's going to kind of, you know, discipline me. He's going to come after me. The, Jesus took all of that. He took all of that on the cross. And so we belong to God because of what Jesus has made possible. And we belong to one another. Isn't that sweet? That's why church is so amazing. We come together and we can love on one another and pray for one another, laugh together, uh, just be together, give each other a hard time when necessary, and just kind of be together as a big family. We belong to God and we belong to one another. So maybe you're feeling like you're disconnected from your earthly family you don't have to be disconnected from your spiritual family be a part of what's going on that's why i'm so glad that we're all back in church it's hard to connect through zoom or through facetime it's hard to connect right there's there's a there's something missing there's something missing we belong to god and we belong to one another number one he has promised a new kind of spiritual family number two he's promised grace mercy and peace 
Let's unpack those a little bit. Verse 2 continues, May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. This is Paul's greeting to Timothy. What a greeting. It's a reminder of the foundations of our faith. Grace, mercy, and peace. Grace is God's unmerited, hear that. We hear it a lot, but we need to hear it again. Grace is God's unmerited, unmerited favor. It means we do not deserve it. If we deserved it, it wouldn't be grace, right? We go along sometimes and we think, ah, we shift somewhere and we go from grace to works. We feel like if we don't do certain things, we're not, we're not in good standing with the Lord, but grace is given to us as God's unmerited favor. Ephesians 2.8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this, now or ever. You can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God. So we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It's just an amazing theological truth that we need to constantly revisit. Maybe you've had a bad day and you need to revisit the doctrine of grace and be refreshed in the truth of God's grace, that it's sufficient. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. His grace is sufficient. Then there's the mercy of God. Robert Robinson has, had been saved out of a life of sin through George Whitfield's ministry in England. Shortly after that, at the age of 23, Robinson wrote the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, Streams of Mercy Never Ceasing. Sadly, Robinson wandered far from those streams and, like the prodigal son, journeyed, journeyed into a life of carnality. And one day, he was traveling by stagecoach and sitting beside a young woman engrossed in her book. She ran across a verse she thought was beautiful and asked him what he thought of it. This is the quote, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Bursting into tears, Robinson said, ma'am, ma'am, I'm the poor, unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago. And I would give a thousand worlds if I could enjoy that feeling I had then. Although greatly surprised, she reassured him that the streams of mercy mentioned in his song still flowed. Mr. Robinson was deeply touched Turning his wandering heart to the Lord, he was restored to full fellowship. Yeah, anybody need a little mercy today? <laughs> Streams of mercy still flow. And they flow for you. They do. They flow for you. Streams of mercy flow for you. Because God's good. Streams of mercy are available. Soak that up a little bit. Um, maybe you've had a rough season. And you need to refresh yourself in that truth. Grace and mercy are abundant in God's kingdom. And grace and mercy lead to 
The peace of God, grace and mercy and peace. Peace is what is experienced when we abide in Christ and he abides in us. There's peace that is experienced in Christ, but it requires that we abide in him, that we we make an intentional effort to abide in him. We're, We're making him our highest priority. We're allowing him to be our highest priority. John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So the opposite of peace would be troubled and fear, feeling troubled and fearful. The Messiah's peace is based on his grace and his mercy so let that grace and mercy lead you to the peace of god peace i leave with you my peace i give to you not as the world gives the world gives it's it's a very conditional peace if everything's going good or as i expect then i'm at peace If I have what I think I need, then I have peace. If I have the relationships that I think I need, then I'm at peace. It's very conditional. It's very conditional. The peace of God is based on his grace and mercy, and we experience that as we abide in him. But we can drift from him, right? We drift, maybe like the writer of this hymn, we drift and maybe go a long time without experiencing his grace and mercy, and so there's no peace. Maybe you're even going to church and seemingly doing all of the right things, but you're lacking a peace in your life. Maybe there's a a lack of abiding. There's plenty of doing, but there's a lack of abiding in him. Abiding just simply means, Lord, I'm going to wake up every day and just be with you, be in close proximity with you. So, Lord, I want my life to just stay cozied right up to your life. And so that means I want to invite you into everything and and Lord, I, I want your wisdom for, for my decisions. I want your guidance through your word and through your spirits. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. How's your heart today? Are your hearts troubled, afraid? I think that's what that dream was meant to do. It was meant to stir up fear in me, anxiety in me. But what happened is as soon as I got the presence of the Lord especially singing that final song, it's like peace was restored. Peace was restored. Let God do what he wants to do in your life. It'll, you, you will be surprised at the peace that, that comes to you. The Messiah's peace is based on his grace and mercy. Here's a solid definition of peace. It's the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing, hear this, and so fearing nothing from God... Not that we don't have a healthy respect and fear and awe of God, but fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. That's the, the peace of God. It says that I'm good with God because of his grace and mercy. I'm in the family of God because of his grace and mercy. He's adopted me in. My sins are forgiven because of his grace and mercy. I have a new life in Christ because of his grace and mercy, and because all of that is true, I have peace 
peace in Jesus. He's promised us grace, mercy, and peace. And number three, he's promised us a clear conscience. Isn't that interesting? Paul talks about a clear conscience. A clear conscience. He said, Timothy, I thank God for you. For God, that the God I serve, Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience. Just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly, <clears throat> excuse me, night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. That's that family relationship that we're talking about. But before we got to that, Paul talks about his clear conscience. I mean, how, how can Paul have a clear conscience after all? I mean, before Christ, he was a persecutor of the church. He was going after believers in the way, followers of the way. He was going after Christians, persecuting and killing Christians. I mean, how, how can a guy like that have a clear conscience? I mean, shouldn't, shouldn't he carry that burden all the days of his life? Shouldn't he? I mean, he was a horrible man, an abusive man, a terrible person. He fought against Christ. So shouldn't he carry that burden all the days of his life? In Christ, of course not. In Christ, of course not. In Christ, that's never the expectation. Remember grace, mercy, and peace. Remember your before Christ days? I remember my BC days. What about after becoming a believer? Did Paul do everything perfectly? I mean, how can he have a clear conscience after all? Was he a perfect man? Of course not. Did he ever make a mistake or commit a sin? Of course he did. Let's read about Paul's struggle with sin in Romans 7, 14 through 25. I'm always perplexed by this passage, by the way. Maybe you are as well, or maybe you've got a better handle on it than I do. That's very possible. Romans 7, 14 through 25 says, So the trouble is not with a law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I'm all too human a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself. I'm saying that, and the text is saying that. <laughs> I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. <laughs> I don't think Paul's not taking responsibility. He's just saying there's, there are, there's a war within. <laughs> a war within that causes me to do the things that I don't want to do. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I'm battling constantly the corruption within I'm not the one doing wrong. It's, and doesn't it feel like a, a separate entity within you? Like when you're feeling tempted and you just can't not sin, you just feel like there's something internally that's dragging you against your own will. There's that spiritual battle within us that Paul is describing here. It's, 
sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, and that apart from the Spirit of God, that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. <laughs> I'm really grateful for this text. It, uh, it, it, it uh, makes the gospel attainable. Um, it doesn't make it so out of reach. Because we... In a daily bat, we are in a daily battle against sin. The world, the flesh, and the devil is bombarding us. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it, doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. We'll have to ask Paul uh, to expand on this. Read a read a couple commentaries uh, that did, were not helpful. I don't know that anybody knows what to do with this text. Paul will explain it when we get there one day. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. Most of us would say the same thing. I love God. I love his law with all my heart. Somehow I keep doing the wrong thing. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. (laughs) Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God we have an answer. It's Christ Jesus. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. (laughs) Thank God for his grace and his mercy. It's through this grace and mercy that we can have peace and a clear conscience with God. We beat ourselves up, and maybe to some point we need to pay attention to what we're doing and not give ourselves permission to sin, not using the grace of God as an excuse to sin, but at the same time recognizing we've got this battle within us, and some days we're just going to stumble. And allow the grace of God, the mercy of God. We were talking about this in our journey group Friday morning at 6 a.m. We were just talking about uh, sin and temptation. And someone reminded me, uh, I think it was Jim Pennington, reminded me, he said, God knew all of that stuff was going to happen before it happened, right? Because he's he's outside of time, right? So it's like he sees the parade of life from the beginning to the end. He sees everything that happens in between. The Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world. Meaning it was the plan because we would need it. God's grace and mercy through Jesus Christ gave Paul a clear conscience and peace. So if you're wrestling with condemnation, uh, a muddled conscience, relax, repent, Give it to Jesus and rest in that grace and mercy and experience his peace. You can have a clear conscience. You can have a clear conscience. You, you say, well, you don't know what I've done. (laughs) Paul called himself the chief of sinners. 
because he had done some pretty gnarly stuff. God's grace is sufficient, so just let it go. Let it go. Let it go. And when the enemy reminds you of it again, let it go. Say it's under the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Take every thought captive unto the obedience of Christ. So the, our thoughts are going to bombard us. Wow, what about that? Oh, you shouldn't have done that. Oh, he's right, right, right. You know, it's all this stuff. He's promised a clear conscience. And then he's, uh, verse uh, number four, he's promised a life of faith. I remember your genuine faith, Paul writes, verse five. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. So it appears that Paul is commending his salvation that he acquired by faith, but also his life that he lives by faith, his trusting in God. Paul is recognizing that Timothy, saved by grace and is, or saved by faith in, in the finished work of Christ, but is also living out a faith life. So again, as Christians, we're saved by grace through faith, and then we live out our lives by faith. That, that is the only way that God has called us to live our lives as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We receive the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, so it's the gateway into life with Christ is faith in the finished work of Christ. That's the gateway, and then we don't just stop there and stop exercising our faith it's actually introductory it's faith 101 that gets us in by god's grace and then we live our lives by faith for the rest of our lives hebrews 11 1 now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen so faith is the substance it's the raw material it's the ingredients right that's what faith is it's the raw material the ingredients of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen so we're it, it wouldn't be faith if we could see it, right? It wouldn't be faith if we could see it. We can't actually see God. Uh, we, we, he's invisible. And so we have faith in him. Faith is the raw material. Um, it's the evidence. Uh, faith is what is required to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews eleven six says, But without faith it's impossible to please him, God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we're saved as we put our faith in Christ, and that saving faith begins a new life of faith in Jesus Christ. So what we're talking about is not just fire insurance, like you get, you know, like life insurance, you pay for it and then you, you have it. It's, no, you, it's a life that God is ushering us into. We're actually called to live differently as a result of our new faith life. And so with that, how has your life changed as a result of your faith experience and faith walk with God? How has your life changed? Does that change? Does your faith change the way you think? Does it change the way you live? Does it change the way you believe? Does it change the way you speak and think? And all of those things, what's changed? And I, I think it needs to be tangible. I think we need to be able to say, this has changed. Like, I actually lived my life differently in this arena because of my faith. I heard a, a quote this week by a guy that I'm surprised and 
and I even question whether it actually came from him, but Mark Wahlberg made this quote. He said, God never gives you a dream that matches your budget. He's not checking your bank account. He's checking your faith. Isn't that interesting? God never gives you a dream, whether he wrote it or not, it's true. Whether he said it or not, it's true. God never gives us a dream that matches our budget. He's not checking your bank account. He's checking your faith. God is always going to be calling us into a life of faith. He, he just always, it's just the way he works. So he's going to be putting us into circumstances and situations where we are above our capacity, where the, the job require, is required, uh, requires more of us than we actually naturally have. Um, he's going to put us in circumstances where we have to give in ways that we never thought imagined. Um, recently, this week, uh, somebody gave me a letter uh, written by Rick, uh, Rick Warren. Uh, I don't know what you think about Rick Warren, but it doesn't matter. He, this, is what, this is his story. Rick Warren pastor Saddleback Church down in Southern California. And years ago, years ago, when they were getting ready to build their new building, um, he was praying. He said, he basically said what I always say, pray and be obedient, do what you, the Lord's asking you to do. So he prayed and he felt like the Lord was asking him to give $100,000 over a three-year period. Well, it, it was an impossible ask from the Lord. Uh, he didn't have that kind of money in that season of his life. But the Lord asked him to give $100,000 over a three-year period. And he felt compelled to tell the church. He said, I don't know how, um, but this is what I'm going to commit to by faith. The very next week, he gets a call from, I think the publisher was Zondervan. And they said, hey, we'd like you to write the book, Purpose Driven Life. And we're going to give you $150,000 advance to write the book. And so he came to church the following week and said, remember what I said last week? I said, I don't have the money. I just got this book deal, and now I'm going to be able to, to do it. This is, this is how God operates. So he, he didn't have the resource before he committed to giving what the Lord had asked him to give. But he knew by faith that the Lord was asking him to give. Where is it in your life that the Lord is asking you to do something that you don't have the resource for or the talent for or the ability for or the time for? What is God asking you to do that you're saying no to because in the natural, you don't see where the resource is coming from? Time, talent, treasure. I don't have enough time to do that, Lord. I don't have enough wisdom to do that, Lord. I don't have the, the training to do that, the education to do that, Lord. What, how is this possible? But the Lord has planted a dream in your life he's planted something within you that requires faith and if you don't step into it you'll never realize the fulfillment of that dream you the people of israel coming out of egypt we talk about these stories all the time what they had to get pharaoh in the and his chariot and soldiers they're they're pursuing israel and they're up against the what the red sea right and moses said god what do we do and what did god say he said get moving right you got to step into the red sea and see what i will do but if you don't step into the red sea you'll never see what i can do 
So after they get through the Red Sea and they're in their wilderness, they're in there for 40 years because of their lack of faith. The whole generation had to die off. Now they got to go into the promised land. And where do they have to cross there? Right. So what is happening in the Jordan? They need to pass through the Jordan to get to the promised land. But nothing would happen until they stepped into the Jordan. And then when they stepped into it, the water began to back up. And they pass through on dry ground again. Where, what's your Red Sea? What's your Jordan River? What do you need to step into in order to experience the supernatural plan that God has for you? This is just the way, this is the faith life. It's just, if, if you want to do anything for God, it's going to be done by faith. Faith requires commitment. Oh, faith requires commitment before the miracle is seen. Do with that what you will. Do with that what you will. Back to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.6. Do with that what you will. Is that really what I want to say there? Yeah, I'll leave it there. Back to 2 Timothy 1.6. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. So essentially saying the same thing, that you've been received something by faith, now fan that into flames. Fan it into, what is it, have you ever been camping? We've all been camping, well most of us have been camping, right? And your, your fire goes down and it's just a little bit of coals, just like a little bit of hot coals, right? What do you got to do to breathe, that, breathe life back into that fire? You got to get down there and breathe on it. The coals begin to get red. And there's some smoke that begins. And then, boom, a little flame pops up. And then what do you do? After you fan that flame, now you start feeding it, right? And then pretty soon you've got this big blazing fire. But the blazing fire is not going to last forever. You've got to keep feeding it. When it dies down, you've got to breathe into it. Breathe life back into it. That's what Paul's telling Timothy to do. That's why I remind you to fan into flames your spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Number five, what has God promised? He has promised power over fear. Timothy was obviously dealing with some kind of fear, or else Paul wouldn't have written about fear. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, Timothy, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Where do we get the power to overcome fear? I mean, if this is promised to us, if God has promised power over fear, where do we get it? Well, we get it, this power over fear by believing in who we are in Christ. Paul saying, fan into the flame, into flame, the spiritual gift. You have been gifted, Timothy, but it's not going to just happen. You've got you to fan it. You've got to step into it. You've got to live it. Believe who you are in Christ. You've been blessed with spiritual gifts to be used. Every believer, the scripture says, has been given a spiritual gift to be used for the, the building up of the body of Christ, the edification of the body of Christ. So what's your spiritual gift that you need to flame or fan into flames? Maybe it's hospitality. Maybe it's generosity. Maybe it's teaching. 
maybe it's shepherding, you name it, there's a whole host of them. What is God wanting you to fan in the flames? You're, you're fearful maybe about doing it. Well, we're all fearful about stepping into God's supernatural plans. It's just natural to be fearful. But natural doesn't mean it's right to stop and never step into it. The fear is natural. Fear is, uh, fear is just natural. It's, it's, it's just, you know, we get into this new building next door. We sign a five-year lease. And then I, the way I wake up the next day, I'm like, what do we just do? I know we were supposed to do that, but now what do we do? Um, you know, we plant a church and nobody shows up. And what do we do? Very few people show up. You know, we, um, we hire staff and the money's not there. Um, everything that God has asked us to do uh, in the course of these 18 years as a church plant has been a faith journey because we didn't have the people, money, resources, gift, talent. I had never done it before. I never preached weekly on a Sunday morning. I, I, I just, I'd been an associate pastor. I'd been a church chaplain or a jail chaplain. That was the extent of my, but God said, go plant the church. So I said, okay, we'll go plant the church. What, what are you doing planting a church? You have no idea how to plant a church. I don't know what I'm doing, but God told me to go plant a church. Still don't know what I'm doing, but we're still moving forward. You've been blessed with spiritual gifts to be used. If you don't use them, they will never develop and produce the kind of fruit God intended them to produce. To fan into flames means don't let the fire go out. Don't let your fire burn out. Believe what God has done in you and go for it. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. This is what I wrote. You will have power. You will have power over fear when you choose to believe God's plan and purpose and gifting for your life and walk in it in spite of opposition. Power over fear. Power over fear. Believe. Believe God's plan purpose and gifting in your life and walk in it in spite of opposition there's always going to be opposition there's always going to be opposition people told me when we planted the church we don't need any more churches please don't plant another church all right people told me you don't have the stamina you will never make it as a, as a pastor of a church. You, you just don't have it. You're, it's not in you. All right. Opposition is natural because the enemy knows he's got a pretty good sense about what God wants to do with us, and so he's going to do everything he can to throw water on that. Where is he throwing water, and where are you letting him throw water on, your, on God's plan for your life? If you're fearful and timid about what God has called you to do, just stop and decide to move forward and watch what God will do. What has God promised through faith in Christ? He's promised a new kind of spiritual family. So you're not in, you're not in it alone. You're in it together. We're all in this together. He's promised grace, mercy, and peace. 
He has promised a clear conscience, life of, a life of faith, and power over fear. With that, we're going to take communion. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. Hopefully you received your communion elements. If you did not, raise your hand and we will get you communion elements. And um, communion is just an opportunity to remember what Jesus has done for us, extending grace and mercy and peace to us. And maybe today as you take communion, as we take communion, maybe today is the day where you say, God, I'm not, I'm not going to be fearful or timid any longer. I'm going to do what you've asked me to do by faith. And I'm going to conquer my fear with the power of God. Everybody know how to open these things? Two layers of cellophane. The first layer un unwraps the, uh, the wafer. We, we like to call it styrofoam. It's pretty accurate. But if you get if you work up some saliva first before you put it in, then it'll help. It'll help. Just a little experience there. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Let's go ahead and take the wafer oh we're so thankful Lord we're so thankful that you allowed your body to be crucified pierced you hung on that cross for my sin Lord for our sin we're so so eternally grateful so forever grateful and so Lord, on this Family Sunday, as we do every Family Sunday, we stop, Lord, and we say thank you. We refresh our minds in the truth of what it costs for our salvation. And we say with great gratitude, thank you so much, Jesus. Thank you so much, Jesus. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood do this to remember me as often as you drink it for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup you are announcing the lord's death until he comes again let's take the juice Thank you, Lord. We, we, we announce your death, Lord. We announce your victory over sin and death. We announce the gospel, that it is true and right, and we believe it today like we've always believed it, Lord. And I pray that you would convince people of the gospel in Jesus' name. God, that you would convince people of the truth of the gospel and uh, that each of us would believe that the truth of the gospel is for us. The grace, mercy, and peace is for us eternal life and salvation is for us we thank you lord god be glorified as we continue to worship in song thank you for this time we love you lord in jesus name amen amen Let's worship Just
worship you, God. So we love you. May we go out with this day with our heads held high and the smiles on our faces because you are so good. It's in your most precious name we pray.